my first question is, what's so great about this new drug? Uh, so the Vitromatorunavir? Yeah. Or we, are we still calling it to TMC-114? Uh, uh, so uh, TMC-114, the chemical generic name is going to be Darunavir, and the brand name is Crazista. Uh-huh. So do you think people, I mean, people never stop calling T20 T20? Correct, and 3TC is still 3TC. So do you think TMC-114 will stick? Uh, I actually think Darunavir is not bad. Uh -huh. it's around long enough that people are starting to use it, they're getting used to it. So, you know, it's kind of like Abbott 378 became Calitra or Lopinavir, so sometimes it's sick. Okay. So tell us, why should anyone care about this new drug? Uh, the results on Darunavir have been um, nothing short of impressive for our field. And when we've seen them just about a year ago, we saw uh, biologic suppression at rates that we hadn't seen before, in which the majority of patients achieved less than 50 copies, even though historically only a minority of patients on other regimens of this type had been successful. And so what this, what this drug represents is an ability to recontrol HIV in the majority of people, and for us that's a, a dramatic step in progress. Uh, what was the average number of, um, like how resistant were the people who were on the um, this med? When, during the trial? Well, there are different ways to describe resistance, but these patients were triple class experienced who entered the definitive uh, Darunavir studies. So they had taken uh, lots of protease inhibitors in the past. Mm -hmm. They had high level resistance as measured phenotypically to all of the other protease inhibitors. And they also had a, um, a lot of specific uh, resistance mutations. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't therefore surprising that the, the background regimen or the, the control regimen, which was essentially any approved protease inhibitor other than Tepranivir, which hadn't yet been approved, those regimens were far less successful at resuppressing virus, which uh, to us wasn't surprising since the low response rate, given those resistance mutations, was what you'd expect. Mm -hmm. Where the progress was was how much better this drug was in those patients. Mm -hmm. So what's the ideal way to use this new drug? Are there any other meds it works best with? The ideal way to use this drug is in, in an effective regimen and not as a single solitary drug since monotherapy um, certainly is not an ideal approach. Therefore, like every drug, Darunavir uh, needs active drugs in a background regimen. What the active drugs are is, of course, going to vary from person to person. For some, the only active drug might be a drug like Confubertide because they've already taken and have high level resistance to all the nucleosides, mm -hmm. non-nucleosides, and we don't have any reason to think that a double PI combination, including Darunavir, would be, would be helpful. Mm -hmm. So for some people, it's, it's uh, Confubertide and Darunavir, and that, the data of that particular combination is what really sends the field um, into a, a kind of enthusiastic state it is because of that um, interaction and that combination. On the other hand, if somebody has active nucleosides, if they hadn't developed a significant amount of nucleoside resistance, then Infuritide is just a drug, it's not magic, and if somebody has active nucleosides, that could be used instead of, or in addition to Infuritide and uh, recontrol virus that way. Mm -hmm. As long as there's three active drugs, 
Well, again, the, the precise number is, uh -huh. is really not the point, it kind of, because it, it also comes down to how active the, is the Darunavir. Uh, mm -hmm. Because if, if Darunavir is compromised, then you need the rest of the regiment to do some of the work. If Darunavir is fully active, which uh, is going to, again, be determined by how much previously pre resistance there is, if Darunavir is fully active, it may not. It may be that just two active drugs is enough. So Darunavir and a few nucleosides, Darunavir and, and T20, uh, with compromised nucleosides might be enough. But ideally, we always like to have three active drugs, but it, there may be combinations in which two might be enough. Mm -hmm. Fully active drugs, in other words, that doesn't mean you give two drugs, but it may be that the that infuritide, darunavir, and then some compromised nucleosides drugs, for example, like uh, tenofovir, FTC, even in the face of resistance, might have an additional small virologic uh, suppression rate that might get an extra half log or something out of it. Um, so that's not where the work's going, but it's certainly supportive. Uh -huh. Do you think um, um, Durinavir will change the way physicians prescribe salvage regimens for people with a lot of resistance? Um, I don't think Durinavir should change our approach to salvage. It just gives us a new way to implement the rules of, of salvage and highly treatment experience patients that we've learned for years. Mm -hmm. We've known for many years the rules of the game in highly treatment experienced patients. What we haven't had are the tools to implement those rules. Mm -hmm. and, and now with Darunavir, we have a, a very um, important drug that allows us to construct fully active regimens in the majority of patients. Again, it's not, it's not going to work for everybody. Unfortunately, in the studies that were done, approximately a third of the patients who enter these studies already had some degree of Darunavir resistance. Mm -hmm. There can be cross-resistance to darunavir. Other PIs can select for resistance that can, unfortunately, lead to darunavir cross-resistance. So it won't be perfect. It, it, it's just an antiviral. Um, but the good news is it's only about a third, two-thirds, who are able to respond to darunavir. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens if, um, if a patient has no active drugs, you know, available? And they want to take this. Is, is it is it better to to take it now or to wait until the Merck's you know integrase inhibitor is approved or some other drug is approved? Well, the the the, the short answer to that is it depends what the price is for waiting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Meaning, if somebody has um, highly advanced disease, very low CD4 counts, and is in trouble of another OI in the near future and may or may not be healthy enough by the time the Merck integration inhibitor gets here, even if that's six months away. If somebody says, I don't know if I'm going to make it six months, they're not going to make it, then that kind of changes the equation. You don't, you don't have the time to wait. If they're not going to be here, then you've got to, you've got to play the card. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if somebody says, you know, I've got 120 CD4s, my viral load's 30,000, the darunavir looks compromised, you know, it's already got some degree of resistance by geno, by pheno, um, it may be that darunavir has activity, but that the regimen itself is vulnerable and won't work very well for very long, and that as other drugs arrive that are fully active, we'll be more confident about reestablishing suppression. That equation, knowing how to wait and how to delay, if it's better to delay, if it's better to play the card now, knowing when I'm, I'm confident that, that the regimen I have now is potent enough, knowing when the regimen isn't going to be potent and I should wait, and knowing if I can safely wait, are extremely important skills that HIV treating clinicians need to uh, understand. Um, what about Tepranavir, which was approved last year? Um, if if a patient is has not tried Tepranavir yet, 
and you know is at the point where they need another dog like Dubranavir or Durunavir. Um, which one is a good one to choose now that there are two um, options? Well, we, we certainly don't have a randomized comparison of Sopranavir versus Darunavir. What we do have are, is at least one cross-study comparison that was authored by Andrew Hill, and he presented it at the British HIV meeting. And simply by just taking the two studies side by side, he asked two questions. One is, are these studies comparable, the resist studies with Sopranavir and the power studies with Darunavir? Can we compare these studies? Do they enroll similar patients? And the second question is, if they enroll similar patients, how well does that drug do? He presents some reasonable um, data to support that these studies actually did uh, enroll similar patients with similar degrees of baseline resistance, similar CD4, similar viral loads. Not the same, but pretty close. And through a number of ways of supporting that, he was able, I think, to suggest that these studies are reasonably similar to each other including the response to the background regimen, the non-experimental CI, was pretty similar in, in these studies, which all kind of puts together and says, this might be a, a good way to judge one CI versus the other. And for all the different measures that he showed, he was able to show that the Runavir was more successful at reestablishing HIV control. It had a better log drop and more people who were virologically suppressed below 400, below 50. So, uh, and we also have some in vitro data to suggest that if somebody develops Darunavir uh, resistance, Sopranavir should still be reasonably active. And likewise, in the reverse, if somebody has Sopranavir resistance, Darunavir probably would be active. So if, if we have all of those facts in place and we have everything except the last piece of the puzzle, which is a randomized head-to-head -head trial, is that enough to choose? And unfortunately, every clinician is going to have to decide that on their own um, because right now all we have are these kinds of cross-study comparative data, and that's the best we're going to have for a long while. So to the extent that this question is going to come up over and over, people are going to have to decide which drug they go with and why. People might look at the difference in liver function test toxicities as one reason to choose Darunavir instead of Sopranavir. Uh, it actually remains to be clarified. If there are resistance patterns for which Sopranavir is a better choice instead of Darunavir and vice versa, Hopefully, that's the kind of data that would emerge that would say, you know, if you have this mutation pattern, one looks better than the other. Do we yet have a, a, a notion of the resistance pattern for this drug? We do. We have a fair bit of data that's in the package inserts that describes the resistance pattern for which mutations uh, decrease the activity of derivatives as we do for Sopranavir. Okay. Um, um, what are the main side effects then? You, you mentioned that Tupranavir uh, has liver issues. It does. It actually has a, a warning box around the fact that some people did develop um, elevated liver function tests for hepatitis when they took Tupranavir, and more so in people who were duly infected with hep C. So as a result, um, the FDA cautions us when we use that drug to be careful, monitor for uh, liver function tests frequently. And so what are the main side effects of um, Darunavir? So this of course, two categories of side effects is how people feel and then there's blood tests. In terms of how people felt, um, in terms of the standard grades two, three, and four adverse events, what people experience at anything other than mild levels, it's actually impressive how few toxicities there were on, on the Runavir versus the comparator PIs, meaning two to three percent noted things, uh, GI toxicities like diarrhea, vomiting, abdominal pain, and so on. 
and Durinavir didn't seem to be more frequent in really hardly any of these, but maybe 1% more people having headaches on Durinavir versus any of the comparative PIs. So at least from a, a perspective of what do people feel, they apparently feel about the same as they do on this drug as they did on any other PI, obviously with the of their loads dropping better more likely. Mm-hmm. Meaning, so other PIs would be, what would be some of those side effects? Would it be GI? Yeah, a lot of the drugs, for example, lopinavir, boosted lopinavir, and so on, boosted prosimpranavir, all of which typically have rates of diarrhea, little nausea, those kinds of but all, I guess, you can deal with. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, most people are able to tolerate The majority of people are able to right. tolerate it, and sometimes we have to give some, you know, some antidiarrheals, for example, and, and those are the kinds of things we often do uh, if someone's having a problem. But number one, the majority don't have these problems, and number two, the majority, if they have it, seem to respond to kind of standard treatments for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you think this drug will eventually be used for first-line therapy? Well, those studies, oh, by the way, we didn't finish your question on okay. lab toxicities, because uh, we did only subjective ones. Oh, okay. So in terms of lab toxicities, once again, we have an interesting picture. It, in the randomized trials, which Darunavir is compared to any comparator PI, if we take a, get a look at lab toxicities, grade three and four elevations of labs, fewer people, 10%, had elevated LFTs compared to the comparator PI. It was, for example, 10% versus 13%. Um, for STOT, 7% versus 10% for SGPT. Uh, so overall, uh, it actually looked pretty good. And the, there were a few things that, that did show up that were more common on underrooted um, here. One is pancreatic amylase was higher. Uh, the meaning of this isn't real clear since there wasn't um, presentations that suggest that people were developing pancreatitis. Uh, but both there were about four uh, percent more people with pancreatic lipase and about eight percent more people with pancreatic amylase. Hmm. Uh, so that's the one thing we're going to have to keep a watch on. Certainly, we, as we always, keep a watch on cholesterol and uh, triglycerides. But at least triglycerides doesn't, didn't seem that different on Darunavir versus other comparative PIs. It's, it's a PI uh, class issue. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the main uh, lab toxicities and differences that showed up in these uh, studies. Otherwise, Darunavir was pretty good and, and sometimes better on a lot of these other uh, tests. In terms of Hep B and C, by the way, which is inevitably a concern for at least some people, the hepatitis C stuff, there aren't a lot of patients with Hep C who took these drugs, but the FDA was willing to say that there was no evidence of a higher incidence of adverse events or blood test abnormalities in Darunavir versus other comparative PIs, uh-huh. which is different from Tepranavir. Tepranavir certainly has more of a warning around liver function test abnormalities for those who are duly affected. Uh-huh. So would you say clinicians should proceed with caution with you know, hepatitis B or C infected patients? With with the Darunavir? Yeah. I would say that the FDA has said that whatever caution you use for currently available uh-huh. PIs like Calitra and so on is appropriate here, and the additional caution that uh, that we were given uh, for Hep C or Hep B and Darunavir was, was certainly not the case here. Uh-huh. Okay, and then back to my other question, which is, uh, do you think uh, Darunavir will eventually be used as uh, first-line therapy? So the randomized studies are being done of a different dose of Darunavir. The standard dose that's approved here is 600 milligrams twice a day, uh-huh. boosted by ritonavir. And uh, there's now a naive trial that's going on using a different lower dose, 800 milligrams once a day. And um, it, uh, for it to be used in naive patients means it has to be at least as good, if not better, than our current um, very impressive options for first-line therapy. 
um, which are anything from two nucleosides in a favrins to two nucleosides in a single boosted GI like uh, adazanavir or Encolitra. Since we have some extraordinarily uh, high levels of response rates, um, this drug's going to have to deliver not just potency, which is certainly likely, uh, but on safety and the mm -hmm. differences in safety on lipids, on this pancreatic amylase story. So I think at this point, it's too soon to say that we will be using it in naive patients, but certainly not too soon to say that it's a, a very important research question that's well underway. Hmm. Okay. And um, what other meds are in the pipeline that look as exciting or more exciting than Darunavir? Well, I'm not sure I would say more exciting, but we do have a number of um, drugs that are in the near future, I think, going to be exciting for our field. Uh, one, of course, are the integrase inhibitors. Merck and Gilead each have one. There's also Maravrox, Pfizer CCR5, which is certainly doing, continuing to uh, be studied in, in clinical trials. And then uh, Tebotech has another non-nucleoside called TMS125 or Extravirine, which is also looking pretty good. Mm -hmm. And how soon do you think the, the approvals will be of any of those? Um, well, obviously the FDA is in charge of approvals, but we are uh, we are certainly well underway with our phase three studies with several of those drugs, and so it'll be up to the FDA which uh, which of those are next year's approvals. Okay. Anything else do you think that people should know about this drug? I think you covered it. Is it uh, actually, there's one little minor fact, which yeah. may not be minor for some people. Uh, Prezista Darunavir was given a pregnancy category B by the FDA. What does that mean? Uh, B, B means that they would consider the drug likely to be reasonably safe huh. based on available data. Uh -huh. Okay. It's amazing. Most of our drugs get Cs. Uh -huh. Okay. Only some that get Cs. Okay. And, and, and what part did you play in, in the studies for this drug? Um, so the clinical site CRI was a site for the phase uh, two and three work uh, for this drug. Um, we've uh, has been, you know, so CRI has been a, a site that's been active and enrolling in these studies for years. Oh, CRI is Community Research Institute? Uh, initiative. Initiative, okay. I see. So are you finished with the study? Is the study over or is it continuing? There are lots of studies. Some of them are well underway, yeah. Uh -huh. some, some of them are, are done and, and others are underway and not done.